What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Murders. back everybody to another episode of speaking of murders and welcome to the new listeners before we get started on today's episode a little bit of business we have another show speaking of missing persons make sure you go check that out uh, if you want to see photos associated with today's case we post those on our socials those are all linked in the show notes if you want bonus episodes you can find them on our patreon we're posting them there every other week and you get a shout out on the show and speaking of that speaking of that thank you to andrea l from the ether our newest patron we appreciate it yes thank you so much you're the best you're awesome you're a super fan and we love you and uh wherever you're listening don't forget to leave us five stars, leave a review, share us with your friends, your family, your coworkers, whoever. Uh, but don't talk to strangers, that can get dangerous. And uh, all of that said, Shauna, tell us about some murders. Love to. Today, uh, yes, we are going to be talking about Gary Heidnick. All right. Um, and buckle up. She said buckle up, so hold on to your whatever. I hopped in the car, I got my strap on, I'm ready. <laughs> Okay, because from my understanding, this one's rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, kind of, so I think it's that's not going to... I'm glad I have my strap on, then, if it's going to be a rough one. It's I not going to feel nice. strap on experiences. It's not going to feel nice. There's no lube. <laughs> Gary was born November 22nd, 1943, in Eastlake, Ohio, which is in the suburbs of Cleveland. Okay, so this is an older one. Yeah. Gary is born to Michael and Ellen Heidnick and had a younger brother named Terry. Gary and Terry. Uh-huh. Okay, pause. <laughs> what is it with the... We've had a Jerry with a brother Larry <laughs> and now a Gary with a brother Terry. What was happening at that time period? I don't think they cared that much mm. about I, names. I they were just gonna... like, well, you're another one. Let me just... I was going to say, in this case, it was probably just because they didn't want either one of them. Not long after having both the boys, Michael and Ellen, divorced. During the divorce, Ellen would say it was because of gross neglect of duty on Michael's part. But Michael would say that Ellen was a wild woman and a boozer. So she wanted more sex and he said, "Mm, you're a whore. (laughs) who drinks too much i didn't look at it that way but yeah sure i think she probably (laughs) just got too lost in a bottle too many times and felt as though he didn't carry his weight yeah in the parenting probably i just looked at that it that way because he called her a boozer and a wild woman a wild woman right the relationship between michael and the boys was bad according to Gary and Terry. They would also say that the relationship with their mother wasn't so great either. 
and Gary and Terry weren't exactly close. <laughs> so basically what we're looking at is an extremely dysfunctional family. Then nobody likes one another. <laughs> yeah, no one fucking really cares for any of them. Okay. All right. After the divorce, the boys would spend the next four years with their mother. By the time they were starting school, though, they would go back and live with Michael and their stepmother, which Gary thought hated him. Okay. The boys, for your sake here. Yes, please stop saying Gary and Larry because it makes it's me want to Terry. Giggle. Oh, sorry. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it, may, it makes me want to laugh every time you, you say their names together. Okay. My apologies. I'm waiting for a story with a Barry and a Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> If I write a book, that's gonna be the killer's names: Barry and Jerry. Then they're gonna have a then they're gonna have a normal brother named Robert. <laughs> There's gotta be a Bob in there somewhere. Exactly, he'll be the normal one. The boys would say that Michael was very abusive, and they would describe him as the Archie Bunker type. Oh damn! Okay, mm-hmm. or like a cold fish. I don't necessarily understand what I the Archie Bunker That's type so very strict. Racist. What? I didn't hear a word you said. <laughs> <laughs> so Archie Bunker was like, a, he was a big racist. He was oh. very strict, um, very Christian. He was like the atypical like, man's man conservative Republican. Gotcha. Like his character type on the show. What show? Uh, all in the family. All in the family. Oh, okay. That makes sense why I don't know. I've never watched it. Oh, it's our mother's favorite. Anywho. They described him like Archie Bunker. Or yeah. to the equivalent of a cold fish. Yeah. I think that's like a huge difference. I think the cold fish means like emotionless. Yeah, I get that. But Archie Bunker is oh, not yeah, he emotionless. had a whole lot of emotion. I think they were talking more about Archie's angry. rage and the fact that he was racist no, and it. that stuff. I yeah. get it. Um, Gary had a problem most of most to all of his life where he would wet the bed. Oh, okay. Uh, mark that one down. Check that box. They proved that the, like, whatever it's called isn't true. You know, where they s- used to say if you wet the bed, if you harmed animals if you lit things on fire there was another one it was like the triad or something mm-hmm. oh that you were like an automatic you were automatically killer. gonna be a serial killer they disproved that it's not true anymore oh because mm. they said if you had like three of those qualities you were gonna grow up and be a serial killer oh well he might interesting we'll see he said that when he was younger, his dad, Michael, would, if he would wet the bed, he would make him hang the hang his sheets out his bedroom window for the neighbors to see. Okay. He said if he was really bad, though, his dad would just pick him up by the ankles and hang him out the window. Oh, boy. Okay. And if that punishment wasn't enough... If they really, really, really pissed Michael off, he would paint bullseyes on the asses of their jeans before sending them to school. The fuck? So he would make them literal targets. Yeah, for people to beat the fuck out of. That seems a bit uh, extreme. 
We're also talking about the 40s and 50s. I know, but damn. And 60s. You would think that talking about those time periods, you wouldn't want to ruin your kids' clothes that you couldn't pay for to begin with. Extreme discipline was a thing back then. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're very militant with oh, the, yes. the, the 40s and 50s was a huge boom in consumerism. That's why you have all that mid-century modern fucking everything. Yeah. And everyone was making money. Mm-hmm. Everyone had fucking money. They may not have been buku rich. And then they went broke in the 70s. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. He's willing to do that. Michael would later dispute the whole abuse claims, though. He would say that they had a normal childhood. Yeah, because back in that time period, those kinds of punishments and things were considered normal. Yeah, that was just like an average that thing was, to do as yeah. a parent. Because they ran their houses very strict. They're, they had stay-at-home moms then, and f- like dad went to work, kids better walk the line kind of a situation. So yeah, to him, it probably was not as extreme as they were making it out to be. I mean, probably not. Plus, I'm having a feeling that this guy is an asshole, and I don't want to fucking feel bad for him. While Gary was in school, though, he wouldn't make eye contact. He wouldn't interact with people. He actually yelled at one of his classmates because she asked him a simple question. She He basically told her that she wasn't fucking good enough to talk to him and to turn around and shut the fuck up. It seems like a proper response when somebody asks you a question. <laughs> I think all she asked was, hey, did you get the homework done? What the fuck you talking to me for? <laughs> that's what I'm, that's my new you thing. You talking to me. <laughs> so, he would often also get teased for the shape of his head. So, Terry said that it was football shaped from falling flat on the crown of his head out of a tree. I wonder if that's where the idea for Stewie Griffin came from. I was thinking hey, K. Arnold. Arnold. Oh, yeah. Move I seriously doubt that they created a whole Nickelodeon cartoon <laughs> after a freaking serial killer. And you'd be surprised. He's not a serial killer. Terry also said that Gary, after Gary fell out of that tree, his whole personality changed. Well, yeah. That's what happens. That's another thing that they claim. If childhood, head. childhood head injury. You're going to have issues as well, an adult. At any age, any kind of well, traumatic brain injury could... I know, but as a child, before your brain is, like, fully developed, it can... A lot... Quite a few serial killers got head injuries as children. Weird. Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot of them, actually. Gary would do normal kid things, like join the Boy Scouts, have a summer job. He also, at some point during his schooling, got his IQ tested and he tested at 148 Shut which the is front door. highly gifted yeah that's high like average is 100 yeah like average intelligence that's like Ted Bundy level oh, this, IQ this man he was smart I will give him that stupid but smart he did get excellent grades in school and he spent all of his time growing up thinking about two things money and military 
All he wanted was to become a millionaire and do so in the military. Is that even possible? Yes. Really? Yes. Yep. Interesting. Now I learned something new. (laughs) Well, retirement programs are an amazing thing. By the time he was 14 years old, Michael was kind of, I wouldn't say pushing, I would say encouraging him to go to Staunton Military School in Staunton, Virginia. Okay. Which Gary wanted to go anyway because he wants a career in the military. He would only attend Staunton for two years before leaving to go back to the suburbs of Cleveland to enroll in North High School. And he wouldn't even stay in there very long because he would switch to East High before dropping out at 17. So he switched schools frequently and then decided to quit. Yeah. So when he turned 17, he had dropped out completely and joined the military. No, because back then you could. Because now you have to have a high school diploma, right? No. You don't? No. Mm-mm. A GED will work, or if you're still currently in school. Um, but well, the military yeah. does have a GED program of their own. Yeah, which we actually talk about. Okay, cool. Learning all kinds of things. He would only last in the military for 13 months. His drill sergeant during basic training graded him as excellent. They... Basically, he was really good at what he did. He never needed discipline. Just all around great at this particular thing. So he went into the Army. Okay. Gary tried for, like, a specialist position in the military. I think he tried for a few, but the only one that they really talk about is he tried for military police, but was ultimately rejected. And then sent to San Antonio, Texas to train as a medic, which he did really well in. It didn't take long before he was transferred to the 46th Army Surgical Hospital in Landstuhl, West Germany. Oh, damn. So is this all in those, what'd you say, 18 months? 13. 13 month time period? Okay. Oh, wow. That's a lot to go down in just over a year. While he was there... He got his GED, thanks to the military. They train you damn near how to do everything. Gary started having medical problems in August of 1962, though. He was suffering from severe headache, dizziness, blurry vision, and nausea. So he went to a hospital and was diagnosed with gastroenteritis. There you go. Oh, okay. I'm not even going to fucking try. It's pretty much inflammation of the stomach, the stomach. Right? While being seen for his physical symptoms he was that he was having, it was noted that Gary was schizophrenic and then was prescribed an antipsychotic called trioflozepan <laughs> 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 I tried real hard. Zapanzapine. <laughs> so trifluparazine. Okay, never heard of it, but okay. Well, well it's obviously an antipsychotic well, drug, yeah. so don't think we would have heard of it. If it's still around. Yeah, it's probably not. Medications have changed over the years. Yeah. Actually, Especially I do think antipsychotics. That they, I actually do think that this one's still around. I mean, hell, that's how heroin started. Uh, a, that's how cocaine started. It's just a painkiller, and there's a lot of other stuff that 
it started as a medication, and then they were like, oh, shit, you can't use cocaine for that. Yeah, you can't put cocaine in soft drinks. Right. <laughs> it's not a caffeine additive. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like it can be used to treat psychotic disorders and anxiety, but it, they also use it to treat nausea and vomiting caused by chemotherapy. Oh. Well, there you go. Interesting. Okay. I thought so they were trying to like take care of everything (laughs) all together. Yeah. Take care of the psychosis and the nausea and vomiting from the stomach inflammation. Yeah. Gotcha. Two months later, in October, Gary would be sent to the military hospital in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where he was fully diagnosed with schizoid personality disorder. Oh boy. And that is when he would get honorably discharged from his military service. Oh, I bet he was pissed. Yeah, medical discharge. I bet he was pissed, Oh, yeah. Maybe. I mean, mean, if if that's all he wanted to do with his life and he started going to military school at 14. Yeah, but... On the upside, I'm pretty sure you get a full retirement on a medical discharge. He was making $2,000 a month. There you go. I mean, even still, though, if he wanted millions, oh, he's gonna he's gonna get there. Once, uh, once discharged from the military, he became a licensed practical nurse and then enrolled in the Pennsylvania, the University of Pennsylvania for one semester. So he's kind of all over the place. He is very all over the place. After he dropped out, he took a job at a veterans administration hospital in Coatesville. I didn't say where that was either. I'm assuming in Pennsylvania. So he's working for the VA. Yeah, basically. But was fired for poor attendance and being rude to the patients. Okay. You can't do that if you want to be in the medical field. From August 1962 to March 1987, Gary would spend a lot of time in and out of mental hospitals. I think they told her that 21 times. Oh, boy. He had attempted suicide at least 13 of those times. I will tell you that he has done everything from trying to overdose his antipsychotic medicine to eating light bulbs. What the fuck? What? Why the hell would you how eat a you light bulb? How do you say that so casually? Like, uh, he tried to overdose on pills, but man, he also tried to eat light bulbs. Well, his brother, we'll, we'll talk about it. His brother also goes in and out of psych wards, and he just basically took his motorcycle and went head on into traffic. I mean, Damn. that's more reasonable than eating light bulbs. I don't... I'm, I'm at a loss for words, like... What goes on in your mind that makes you think, you know what? I'm over this. I'm going to eat a light bulb. <laughs> right, like what kind it. of light bulb? Well, they only had, there was no LED lights at that point, so it was incandescent or well, fluorescent. I'm meaning I like, was it point. like a, you know, stove light? Like how big were these? <laughs> I think he broke bulb. them and ate the glass. Or the... Uh, or the well, depending if he ended up with mercury poisoning, oh it could yeah, could have been a fluorescent bulb. That's right, I forgot about that with the fluorescent. Actually, speaking of mercury poisoning, did I call that one out? Yeah, but not on Gary. Oh, he would often do things in these hospitals like go mute. He would also like roll up one pant leg and be like, "Hey, 
that means don't fucking talk to me. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. Leave me the fuck alone. He would also hoard his meds to try to commit suicide in the hospitals. He would randomly start slurring his speech if he started talking again, and he spent most of the time being incoherent. Okay. In 1970, Ellen, their mother, had been suffering with bone cancer for a while. She was well beyond a heavy drinker, and they don't know, but they think that that's kind of what pushed her to suicide by drinking mercuric, mercury chloride. Mercuric chloride? Yeah. There you go. Mercuric chloride. Is that mercury poisoning? Yeah. What would that be in? Would that just be something? Thermometers back in the day. Oh, that's right. Okay. I forgot that was like a thing there for a little bit. People like busting open thermometers for the mercury in there. It's the combination of mercury and chlorine. Yeah. Gross. Chlorine tastes really bad. So to just straight up drink that. It's an odorless white crystal or powder. It is used in preserving wood, photography, embalming, fabric printing, analytical chemistry, and as disinfectant, fungicide, and insecticide. Okay, so it was in a lot of things. Or used for a lot of things. Yeah, but with it being a powder, she probably... Mixed it in her coffee. Yeah, mixed it into something. And she was a heavy drinker. Drank it intentionally to kill herself. Okay. That would be my guess. Yeah, because this is saying it's not really a powder powder. It's more of like a salt. Hmm. Interesting. Too drunk to realize it wasn't sugar for her coffee. Mm -hmm. I think she probably... I swear, if the FBI looks at my phone, they're going to be like, um... (laughs) Is this girl okay? This, however, is when Terry had done his suicide attempt. Oh, the motorcycle. Yeah, to drive, driving head on in traffic. Gotcha. After the death of Gary's mother, he he decided that he was going to start a church. Oh, boy. And he called the church the United Church of the Minister of God. Okay. He became a bishop at this point. He got Terry, a mentally handicapped woman, and a few other people to help him found this church. And the church was more targeted to mentally handicapped people. Okay. All right. Which was said that wasn't necessarily, like, bad on his part for doing so because oftentimes they wouldn't go to church because it was, like mentally handicapped or physically deformed people that he offered this church to and they wouldn't go because back in 1971 they would get stared at and treated differently right and gary put in the work to this church like he put the time in he actually did services um weekly he bought a van so that he could pick them up and whatever, take them home after his services or for his services. And every now and then, he would take them on field trips to, like, the fucking amusement parks and shit. He would buy them breakfast and lunch and you fucking name it, Gary. He put in the time to this church. Hey, you know what? More power to him with that stuff. Good on you, man. I mean, yeah, that's great. 
Yeah, like... That's wonderful. I'm going to say that this is one thing that he did well, but also is a fuck-up for at the same time. Because he took his own money, and he went to Merrill Lynch and opened up a bank account under the church's name and deposited $1,500. Okay. In no time. That $1,500, and by no time, I mean within a couple years, if that, it turned to $500,000. Gotcha. So people are donating to the church? Actually, he wouldn't accept donations. Okay. Not like, it wasn't like uh, donations where they like passed around and you drop money. He got donations more for doing like services, like car washes and shit. So he basically turned it into like, you know, jobs versus like... A collection plate. Yeah. And by 2010, this count held $1,236,000. So he was holding a bunch of fundraisers? Yes, basically. Did you say by 2010? Yeah. When did he found the church? 1971. Okay, so 40 years. That's with him... This man had 30 different cars that he used to pay for with church money and house with church money. And everything he did was with church money. And and by 2010, he still had that much in the account? He's pretty much like, well, this we talked about on Patreon, but his name is not coming to me, even though it was my story. Uh, Alamo Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Alamo. Tony Tony Alamo. (laughs) Well, I don't think accruing somewhat in excess of a million dollars over the course of 40 years is really all that crazy. Okay, it's it's I will tell you, I will tell you, um, I mean, I guess you can say it is because of how he got it, maybe. Like, it's not like... Or like what he's doing with it. What he's doing with it. It's not like it's going back into the community or the church. It's for personal use. I'm going to skip forward a little bit. Clearly, this man gets arrested. When he gets arrested, when he founded this church, he had put it in contract that the money that he had accumulated for the church, whether it... Whatever reason, if he was no longer running the church, it was to be split between a veteran uh, charity and something else. And this million dollars, which could be helping the veterans and whatever, is being fought over still currently. Oh, shit. By the government. Because it's written that it has to go to these places, but the government doesn't want to let it go. Gotcha. So probably because of where it came from. Yeah, but it shouldn't matter. I mean, it the government's a greedy. Oh, they are organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what's the harm in giving <laughs> half of that to you know? You better look for that red <laughs> dot on your head. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Stay close he, to a mirror. <laughs> he definitely was trying to do some good with that too. I'm just saying. But at the same time, the fact that he was basically just spending this money however the fuck he wanted was just ridiculous. That's what cult leaders do. Right. I mean, it's like nothing new, especially in the 70s. Right. 
When does his fucked upness start becoming fucked up? Right here. Okay, cool. <laughs> Gary would start accumulating a criminal record by 1976 when he shot a tendant, shot at, he didn't shoot a, shot at a tendant. A tenant. A tenant. <laughs> I was like, a, a what? <laughs> a tenant. She was going to get there. I was waiting. <laughs> that was renting, like, he owned this house and he had turned, like, parts of it into an apartment. Oh, so he actually had, he also had rentals. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a good businessman. <laughs> <laughs> well, he yeah. is, uh, he is exceptionally gifted, like, intellectually. He's financially smart. Um, the bullet just grazed the man's face, and they were arguing over something so stupid. I like how she said, it just. It just grazed his face. No big deal. I mean, it's better than shooting him. It's like the Black Knight. It's but a flesh wound. I mean, he did shoot Come him. He it just well, he, he shot missed. at him. No, he shot at him and just... He, he was intending to shoot him. I mean, yeah, he was intending to shoot him. They got... Okay, so... The man that, I guess, got shot, as Sarah would say, <laughs> was trying to stick up for his girlfriend because technically Gary and the girlfriend were arguing, and Gary then went downstairs in the basement and shut off the power to their apartment. And that's where this, when the man approached Gary, he basically was holding a shotgun, set that down, and then picked up a pistol. So he had every intention on shooting he, the he man. He had every intention. Well, he was going to shoot the girlfriend. Or that. Gary was charged with aggravated assault, carrying a pistol without a license, and carrying a firearm on public streets because I guess he was sitting on the porch when all this happened. The charges were dismissed pretty quickly, and Gary sold the house. Okay. This is when things went from bad to worse, and I'm sorry. Oh, God. She's saying she's sorry because she's about to ruin Smith's life. This oh, is, this is where... It, okay. This, this is, is where, this is where you're going to have to hold this on to This is where her. Shauna shits on your day. <laughs> <laughs> this gonna, is where I have to start practicing my breathing. She's going to Cleveland steamer your Monday. Awesome. <laughs> right here. 1976, Gary would move in with a woman named Anjanette Davidson. She was... Mentally handicapped with an IQ of 40. Ooh. Okay. She would soon get pregnant by Gary, and during this whole pregnancy, he wouldn't let her go to a hospital. He also kept her on a strict diet. And if, from what I've read so far, his strict diet was, you know, egg sandwiches. And Jeanette's older sister, after a little while, said fuck it and had enough and got police and got Aunt Jeanette out of the house. Good. It's probably not going to end well, Bobby. Fucking good. It, Don't hold on to that hope. Well, I'm It was saying, actually really I, good that someone, she had done this. Yeah, I'm just glad someone no, stepped I'm in saying, and stopped this guy yeah. from taking advantage of this poor woman. Well, is this before or after the church? This is after. Okay. Well, I'm assuming that's probably where he met her, was at he, his church. He met Angina in a, a mental hospital, and one oh, that he had okay. attended. What year was this going on? 1976. Oh, okay, so this is literally right after, same year as the shooting incident. Yeah. Okay. So, basically, sh she got taken out of the house, and... Her sister took her to a hospital for the pregnancy or whatever, and she got looked over, and she had actually had a large fibrous or fib 
fibroid tumor, which would have prevented her from delivering the baby vaginally. Okay. So on March 22nd, 1978, Anne Jeanette had a C-section to deliver a baby girl, which was immediately placed in foster care. No. I mean, I get it, though. Yeah. But I'm kind of surprised that they didn't try to give the baby to him because he wasn't in jail and he's they weren't married so i mean even they didn't have to and this is why i'll tell you why they didn't give the the baby back to gary was because because of that strict diet anjanette had only gained five pounds oh boy the whole pregnancy okay which i'm assuming that they were smart enough to go "Mm, that's abuse and no We're not doing that to this baby. A couple of weeks later, on May 7th, Gary would drive Anjanette to a mental hospital where her sister, Alberta, was. She was 34 at the time, at this point. But she had been in this hospital since she was 14. Her sister? Yeah. Alberta had been put in this hospital because she had the mental capacity of a five-year-old child. Like, she could barely dress herself, shower on her own, do, like, she could do basic human things, but that was about it. I gotcha. While on this visit, Gary would check Alberta out. Oh, no. With the promise that he would bring her back the next day. Like, he checked her out on day leave. Like. Oh, okay. Like a visit. He checked her out for a visit. And he had promised to return her the next morning. At the latest. When Alberta hadn't returned by May 16th, the hospital got an order, uh, like a like a court order, to go get Alberta back. I mean, technically, she was their responsibility. Right. right. After unsuccess, like an unsuccessful visit to his apartment, like the the hospital orderly like showed up at his door and he opened the door like wide open and goes, "She's not fucking here." You're more than welcome to come find her. And so she she left and then came back with police in tow the next day. Smart. Yes. And they did a whole search of this entire apartment building that they lived in. And they found her in a storage room in the basement of this apartment complex. When they got her back to the hospital, the doctors did what they should have, and they did a full examination. Oh, she was still alive. Yeah, she was still alive. Okay, when you said they found her in a store, I thought they found her, like, He basically had kidnapped her. Like, as the police, as the hospital were helping this woman take take, uh, Alberta back to this hospital, Gary looked at her and goes, if you go with them, you'll never see your sister again. The fuck? Yeah, like, he he was trying to get her to stay. But was going to keep her pinned in a storage locker in the basement of an apartment I think that she was only... I think he was just hiding her there. Yeah, that's where he had hit her. But once she got back to the hospital, doctors did a full physical evaluation on Alberta. And they had found that she had been vaginally, anally, and orally sexually assaulted. Oh, my God. Jesus. And Gary had actually given her gonorrhea of the mouth and her other parts. Oh, my God. He was arrested and charged and convicted with kidnapping, rape, unlawful restraint, false imprisonment, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, 
and interfering with the custody of a committed person. Fucking good. Now, it didn't tell me exactly how many years he got for this, but it was, uh, he was released in 1983. Okay, well, then, I mean. 78 to what? 83. 83. Five years. Yeah. He spent three of those years in a mental hospital. Of course. He also spent this almost this entire time, especially when he was actually being held in prison, mute. He wouldn't talk to anyone. And it was so weird because he had a friend from the army come and visit him while he was doing this prison stay. And as soon as his friend walked in the door, Gary just started chattering away. And then as soon as the man left, Gary stopped talking. Anywho, after all that... Once he got out, he would have another child with another, like, with a woman named Gail Lankow, and she would give birth to his first son, and he was put in foster care. There isn't very much information about this woman. After this, Gary started basically corresponding, you know, mail-order bride situation, like, 1985. That's where we're at. Well, I guess we're still in 83 because they talk for two years. So in 1983, he started using, like, mail-order bride. And then he would meet a woman named Betty Disto, and they would exchange letters back and forth for two years, and then he proposed. So then Betty got on a plane from the Philippines and arrived in the States September of 1985. She said that Gary treated her so well. From the time she got off the plane to the time that they had gotten married, which was October 3rd, 1985. Their marriage, though, would quickly turn sour when Betty walked in from grocery shopping and caught Gary having sex with three women at the same time. What the fuck? I don't get it. Like, is this guy, like, fairly attractive? They're all mentally handicapped. Oh, my God. Most of them he met through the church. So he was praying on these poor people. Yes. Yes. After praying with these poor people. Yep. He would also force him to watch her have, like, force her to watch him have sex with other women. Betty said he would rape and assault her often. Like, he would hit her and push her and all this other shit. Betty would be able to escape her hell of a marriage by January 1986. So they were only married for roughly three months. Good for probably her Probably the out. Th- worst three months yeah, of her Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. That three months probably felt like a fucking lifetime while she was going through it. Yeah. The, the, Filo- the Filipino community in Philadelphia, like, literally helped her. Like, they helped her get a ticket and everything back to the Philippines. Which probably, I'm not going to lie, saved her fucking life. Yeah, Probably. She, like, reported all this to the police, like, by phone, because, like I said, she went back to the Philippines. On January 27th, 1986, he was charged with spousal rape, but uh, spousal rape, involuntary deviant sexual intercourse, simple assault, indecent assault, and he would be picked up two days after she had um, left. Yeah, like, after she had reported it. It would, they would pick him up on the day his parole had ended for Alberta. So he... Like, his parole ended and he was arrested again. 
immediately, same day. I'm at a loss. The what? So. What the fuck? The charges would be dropped, though, because Betty didn't show up for the preliminary hearing. Yeah, because she was uh, halfway across the world to get away from this asshole. Right. And so they didn't have enough evidence to, like, they needed her testimony. Get her on the phone long distance. (laughs) Right. Gary wouldn't know that he had actually gotten Betty pregnant until she had filed for child support. In 1987, he also he had fathered another son, but he has none of them. So good. There's that. Fucking good. I agree with that. Except November 26, 1986, would put Gary on an even darker path than he is already going down, and it would all start with a a woman named Josefina Riviera. So. Stay tuned for part two. Oh, my God. And buckle up for the hell in the cellar. Y'all, make sure you're coming back for part two. I know I am. I'm ready to hear the rest of the story. (laughs) You don't have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have a choice. And I choose to come back and be a part of the recording for part two. I... Because I need to know what happens. I don't want to know. There's a cellar involved. I'm fine leaving it right where it's at. (laughs) I'm fine with it. Well, this is speaking of murder, and we have had none, so... I understand that. All right. Well, make sure, wherever you're listening, you're leaving us five stars, um, leaving a review, sharing us with your friends, your family, your coworkers, whoever, and uh, don't forget to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash missingmurderedhaunted. It's linked in the show notes. Does anyone have any final thoughts? No. 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 Oh, all right. Well, I'm ready for part two. Yeah, part two. Yeah. <laughs> part two. <laughs> I don't know. This is giving me like wrong turn vibes. All right. Shit gets gross. Come back next week for the gross part. See you then. Bye. 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 bye.